Um, so today, um, you guys, you're going to hate my sermon today. I'm just going <laughs> to just going to let you know that you're going to hate it. I need you to know that from the beginning, that it's not going to be a very pleasant experience. If you start to feel uncomfortable, if you start to feel like this is terrible, just imagine being the person that has to deliver it um, and that had to wrestle with, with this scripture this week and just knowing, like, I have to say these words. This is going to really not be fun. Um, the thing is, I really, 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 really love the passage today. I really do. It's so straightforward. It's just one of those passages in the Bible where you're like, oh, this is so crystal clear. Like, I don't have to, I have to, I don't have to dig. I don't have to figure out what the Hebrew said or whatever. Like, this is just straightforward. Um, but then I really, really hate it because it really tells us to live differently. And so I think it's one of those passages that I really, really wish Jesus had not said it. I really wish he had not said it. But he did, so now we have to listen, and now we have to deal with it. So I am preaching on loving our enemies, everyone's favorite, right? And in the, the topic really is God's generosity, which some of, you, some of you would be like, if you're talking about money, I would hate that too. Um, but really, this is really talking about how God's love is so generous, so generous the way that God loves all of us. And so... Let's go ahead and dive into this terrible scripture this morning. <laughs> so we in Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27. But to you who are willing to listen, I say love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your father is compassionate. The word of God for the people of God. <laughs> Thanks be to God. I told you you're all going to hate today's passage. So this week uh, in the news, um, there was a great example of maybe some forgiveness and loving your enemies um, in the Kardashian family. I don't know if you saw. Um, actually, I didn't, I'm not even going to pretend like I care about them. Um, I don't know who is who and who's married and who's whatever. Um, yeah, so I don't care about them. But uh, one thing I can tell you, I'm sure as soon as I said something about, hey, we're going to talk about loving your enemies, I guarantee, I bet I, I could bet all of you $100. Please don't prove me wrong because I'm a pastor and this would really drain me if I had to pay you all. Um, I bet 
I bet someone's face popped in your head. I think it's probably kind of safe to say that someone came to mind that you really don't like. And I think we're all in the same boat, so don't feel too bad. But here's the thing. Maybe it's someone, this enemy could be someone you actually don't even personally know, right? You've never met them. You've never had a conversation. They are so, like, whether it's a celebrity or someone that lives in Washington, D.C., you know, someone popped in your mind. And it's so funny that we have enemies of people we don't even personally know. That hasn't really done anything personally to us. Or maybe it's someone that hasn't personally hurt you, but they hurt someone that you love dearly. So you know that they're automatically your enemy too, right? That's just how love kind of works, family and friend. If someone hurts them, they hurt you too. Or maybe it's a people group that you have an issue with. Or maybe it is someone who has personally hurt you or done you wrong. Or maybe you're more in this, this camp of maybe you don't really have someone you call an enemy. That's, that's pretty strong language. You don't have, per se, an, an, an enemy, but maybe there's just someone you don't like that much. Someone you have issues with that annoys you that maybe you're in competition with, et cetera. So I kind of want you to have that mindset. I want you to kind of broaden the idea of what enemy is because I can read this scripture and say, well, I don't really have like an enemy, but there's a long list of people that I don't like or annoy me or that, you know, like I've got a list of people. So I want you to keep this open mind and because this is still going to apply to you even though you may not have an enemy. So I can imagine that you know, this scripture, um, you've probably heard something similar to, or you have actually heard this scripture before. And so it's not so radical to you. It's not so crazy. Um, but uh, I want to set the stage for you. So in the Gospel of Matthew, this is also, I read out the Luke version. But in the Gospel of Matthew, um, this lesson, or as, as I deemed it this week, this cruel joke that Jesus put upon us all. Um, it happens in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And there are some heavy hitters in the Sermon on the Mount. Like, heavy ones. Let me just go through a, a few of them. You know, he teach, um, Jesus teaches about anger, adultery, divorce, revenge, enemies, giving to the needy, prayer and fasting, money and possessions, about not judging others, Effective prayer, the golden rule, the narrow gate, the tree and its fruit, true disciples building on a solid foundation. I mean, they, these are some heavy hitters. But what's interesting to me is that there's not much on enemies. Like, when you look at that, it's a pretty small section. He talks more about prayer and fasting and anger and money possessions. Money possessions is probably like the longest one that Christ teaches about. And I feel like if I would have been sitting there and he's going through all these things and he's talking about enemies and he keeps going, I probably would have raised my hand and said, um, Jesus, could you go back to that loving enemies thing? I feel like you might have misspoke. I feel like that's not what you meant to say. I think what you meant to say, Jesus, I think, let me help you say it better. 
take down all your enemies at all costs, right? I think that's what you meant to say, Jesus, right? You didn't, surely didn't mean love your enemies. I mean, can you imagine what it was like to hear this? Can you imagine, you're, I mean, you're, you're, you're tracking with him, like, okay, yeah, this is difficult, this is hard, and then he, he drops that bomb on us all to love your enemies. And see, for us in 2019, yes, it's still fairly radical. We've heard lots of people talk about things like this, whether it was Gandhi or Mother Teresa or Martha and Luther, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. or all that. It's still radical, but this was kind of a shock to the system when Jesus brought this to the table. I mean, this blew their minds. This was radical. This is ridiculous. This was not on their radar. If, you, um, if you're familiar with the teachings of Christ, or we all kind of know this being a good Samaritan, you know, they had a real hard time. They used Samaritans so much because Samaritans were supposed to be really not likable, really the enemy. And Jesus has several stories where he encounters the Samaritan as either the main person in the story or the woman at the well is a Samaritan. And those people had trouble with that story of just even interacting or just even talking. And so in this, when he's like, no, I need you to love your enemies, he's really taking it a step further. He's saying, no, there's, there's even more, more to this. I mean, can you imagine people saying, sitting there and thinking, um, this sounds kind of tough. This sounds a little difficult. And many of them, if they were, um, you know, if they had been following the law and looking at stuff, they would have said, you know, this sounds a little, a little bit like Leviticus 19, which I know we're all familiar with in the room, Leviticus 19, right? We know that. It's tattooed on us. Um, they would have said, you know, this sounds a lot like that, which they had known for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. They had been following this law. They had been kind of looking at this. They knew, they knew those teachings, but they thought, oh, there's something a little bit different. So let's look. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit uh, through Leviticus 19. And so they were, they, you know, this is what they kind of, this is why it seemed familiar. You shall not go about slandering your kin. Okay, you know, be nice to family. You shall not stand over the blood of your fellow man. Okay, I won't murder, I guess. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely prove your fellow and not bear guilt because of him. Okay, okay, I, I get it. This is good. Not too hard. You shall not take vengeance. You shall not harbor a grudge against the members of your people. And you shall love your fellow man as yourself. I am the Lord. So again, this is kind of what it's based upon. This is what Jesus is kind of basing this love your enemies. <clears throat> but what's interesting, and you may not have caught it, but when I was reading this, I thought, hmm. It's interesting that it says, you shall not harbor a grudge against the members of your people. Or it talks about your kin. Now, when I read that, and I think about that, it really puts some limits on what people have to do. Only if it's your people, your kin, everyone else is up for grabs. You don't have to treat those other people well. You don't have to treat outsiders well. 
And so I feel like Jesus looks at this and says, nope, this isn't good enough. First of all, you can't even love just your own kin. Like, we're not even doing a good job at that. But I'm still going to make it a little bit harder for you. I'm going to up the ante a little bit. He's saying, look, I'm going to need you to love your enemy. I'm going to need you to love those people outside of your kin, outside of your people. See, Jesus is challenging us to let those enemies closer. No longer are they on the outside. I mean, an enemy can't slap you on the face if they're far away from you. You can't really give your, you can't take your shirt off and then no one's there to give it to. Jesus is saying, you got to stop pushing those people away. you got to stop making people outsiders. I need you to love those people that you have pushed away, those people that you have built a wall up or a fence to try to keep out. Like, I'm actually going to need you to bring those people close. I'm going to need you to love them. I think essentially Jesus is saying, you, you all are thinking way too small. You are thinking way too small. Your love is too small. Your box of who is in, your box of who is acceptable is way too small. We've got to break this open. You have got to make your arms wider and your heart bigger. See, Christ had such a deep compassion for all people. And they did not. And we do not. We still struggle with this. But Christ came with this God view of the world. And so he came and was radically in love with all people. He wanted a relationship with every single one of them, no matter how out of bounds, how much of an outsider they were, no matter how difficult they were, how sinful they were, or whatever, how other they were, Christ wanted to love them. And we are called to do likewise. Now, I do need to pause before I go on because I do fear that sometimes this scripture is abused, okay? And so as Scott says, we have to kind of carve with a scaffold a little bit. And you all are smart, intelligent people. You know how to hopefully kind of read scripture and not take everything so absolutely literal. And so I hope you know there are a little bit of limits with this. If someone is really, really causing you harm, abuse, and all that, and I know it says if someone slaps you, offer their other cheek, but I hope you can use your mind and know that God doesn't expect us to be abused. He stands against all kinds of abuse. And so I hope you can look at this scripture and know that there are some boundaries a little bit. There are a little bit of limits with that. And I just I felt like I needed to say that because, unfortunately, this scripture can be misused. Are you all with me with that? I'll understand that. But we still are not completely off the hook. There is something about forgiving people. And we can love and forgive people at a distance. Okay? We can love them still. Okay, so as I was wrestling with this scripture this week, and I listened to a a podcast called The Bible Project. If any, if any of you have listened to it, it's fantastic. Why I love it is that um, I love to dig deep in the Bible. I love to go back and, you know, relate stuff. Um, 
I don't always have time to do that. And so they do it for you. And so it's really convenient. <laughs> so you can sound really smart and know that you didn't actually do any of the work. So it's, it's, a, it's a win-win. But um, one of their contributors was, was looking at the scripture of loving your enemies. And he talked about how Jesus was not interested in modifying our behavior, but exposing and moving toward the deep, deep issues of our minds and hearts. See, obviously, after exposing those issues, we hopefully will modify our behavior. And in the Methodist Church, we, you know, we get on this journey to be sanctified, to look more and more like Christ, to be made perfect in love. But Christ can't really modify us until he exposes what's deep down in our hearts. And so for this, this scripture and for us, he's exposing, there's some people that you don't like. There's people that you are afraid of. There are people that annoy you. There are people that you think are a threat to you. There's also people that have hurt you. There's people that you um, haven't understood or you've misunderstood or you've made assumptions about. And the list is, you know, the list goes on and on. And Christ is saying there's something there that you need to work on. You can't get past, you can't love until you really start to dig deep and ask questions but really, Jesus is saying, I'm going to expose that. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, you need to love those people. You need to love them. And I know for me that I hate that because it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It takes so much effort to put kind of our beliefs or kind of what I think to the side and focus but Christ challenges to become less of ourselves and more like him. And so we have to let go of preconceived ideas, assumptions, beliefs. See, here at Lover's Lane, our mission is to love all people into relationship with Jesus Christ, right? All. All means all. Even that one person you have a mega beef with, that one person you don't like, you're called to love. And sometimes I think we treat the word all and we put a little asterisk by it and say, surely not these people. Surely not that person. And Christ is challenging us and saying, no, actually, very much that person. Maybe that person needs to be loved more than anyone else. See, anything that hinders or brings damage to relationships between people or between us and God, Christ came to try to heal that and try to fix that. Christ wanted to be that bridge for us to help us love people better, to help us love people that we think are unlovable, even those we believe to be our enemies. And what I really, really hated in the Bible project, what they pointed out, is that we have no choice but to do it. We have no excuse. And I was like, but are you sure? <laughs> Because I have a list of why I shouldn't have to do this. I, I think you should hear me out, Jesus. I really think. Because I don't think you've thought of this. But in the Bible project, they, he said it's actually because of what Psalm 145 says. is why we have no excuse. Why we can never be unkind or rude to someone. And I was like, okay, let me go see what Psalm 145 says. And it says this, 
Psalm 145, 8 through 9. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. See, we have no excuse because God, who was holy, who was perfect, who is love and righteous, brings goodness to all people. He still brings rains to lands of people that hate him. He still provides food for those who defile him. God still reaches out to those who reject him. I can probably, I can probably say that God most likely is far more rejected, more hated than any of us in the room. Far more. And yet God continues to love all. Continues to reach out, continues to pursue. God's love has no boundaries. And simply no one is an outsider, no matter what they've done or who they are. Because every single person is God's daughter or son. Every single person. And I love, in the Luke scripture, it talks, yeah, big deal if you love people that love you. So what? Even sinners do that. But we are called to live differently. We are called to look different. And so one way to do that is to love enemies because no one else really is doing that. See, God continues to do that by loving all, even those who absolutely hate him. And he's done it since the beginning, since he set the world in motion. And so I think the only way for us to actually start loving people, loving enemies, is to remind us that every single person is a daughter and son of God. I think that's where we need to start. We need to remind ourselves. And that everyone carries the image of God. And some of you are thinking, man, they really have it hidden, though. (laughs) Sometimes you have to dig deep. But everyone has the image of God. God created all of us. And God loves all of us. Another thing I think that would help us is what if we started looking at people different? Yes, we start by seeing that they're a son or a daughter and that they're made in the image of God. But maybe you start to ask, man, I wonder what kind of pain they've endured in the past. That may be why they're this way. What kind of trials have they had to overcome? Maybe they've had abuse I think at the core, sometimes we need to look at people as really a child, a child of God, a young, innocent child who is worthy of love. And this sounds like so, yeah, we should do that. (laughs) It's not easy. It's not. This, again, this scripture is horrible. (laughs) It's horrible. But I think it's something we really need to focus on. So I want to I close with this today. I've never really been an outsider. I'm just going to admit that to you all. I've never really been an outsider. I've never been excluded. Maybe like a teeny tiny bit being a woman in ministry. There's been a little bit of hardships with that. 
But for the most part, I've had it pretty dang easy. But I can tell you I've known plenty of people, some people in this very room, that have been hated and deemed a threat or an enemy for no reason at all. And that grieves me deeply. There have been so many people that have been wrongly accused that they are a threat, that they are dangerous, that they're disgusting, that they're messed up, that they're an animal, that they're less than human, or that, yeah, they're an enemy. And I want to say, if you have felt like that, I'm really sorry. Because that is not Christ. It's not. And so in the next couple of days, our denomination um, may be taking a vote about our LGBTQ brothers and sisters, who for a lot of people are enemies. But they are not our enemies. They are not our enemies. They carry the image of God. They are children of the Most High, and they have such sacred worth. And so I'm hopeful that maybe we can start seeing them like that, that all can start seeing them, that they are precious, and that they're not an enemy and something to be afraid of. And I'm hopeful that maybe this can start to have a ripple effect on all of us. That maybe, that maybe someday when we read the words of Christ who says, you know, to welcome refugees and immigrants in, to give our coat, to love enemies, to give food, to help one another, or any other scripture that basically says, there are no outsiders. There are no outsiders. That we would see those scriptures, we would read those and say, yeah, amen. Or maybe Parvis would say, well, duh, why wouldn't we do that? I didn't really know how to end this sermon today. Um, but I hope, I know, well, for one, I know that I'm called to live differently. I'm called to love differently. And I'm going to have to start loving some people and reaching out to them that I don't want to. But I know that Christ has called me and I have no excuse to say no. And so I hope and pray that today maybe you could start to love someone differently. Because I know that we do want to look more like Christ. And I think the only way to do that is in how we love. So let's pray this morning as people of God. God, we thank you for this scripture. Even though it, it messes with us, it maybe makes us angry. Um, it just challenges us. We know that there are so many people that we know that have been rejected, abused, been called enemies, and 
so many other awful things. And Christ would have been going after them and saying, no, no, you don't understand. I do love you. You are accepted. I pray that we could be like Christ to those that need it most, that need to hear that they are a son or a daughter of yours, that they are deeply loved. Help us, Lord, when we want to walk away, when we want to be rude, when we want to push someone away, that we would be moved to actually move closer. Thank you so much for loving us, for never giving up on us, even when we, when we reject you, when we are rude, when we just simply walk away from you. We do want to be more like Christ, God. And it's a tall order, but I think it's something worth going 